Wim's daar dan, ja. ja. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not even a soup at Just as a backup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're convincing yourself. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if he's a nice guy or a scumbag. I know, right? Plug it, plug it back in. Oh, there's no buttons. <laughs> I rolled in here on two wheels too. Like, got Anna from Map. That's what I did. I drove cool off. I got stuck in traffic, and then I was like, I thought I had ten minutes, and I ended up having five, and I was like. Running out the door. <laughs> it's all good though, we'll work out the kinks. Um, here, just. I'm on, I'm on. Are you on? Oh, okay. <laughs> you can use this one if you want. I'm on that one. Oh, okay. Thank you. So are we set to go? Yes, sir.
Michelle Kirkby here. Neil Brem here. Will Horn here. Being here. Um, so we will start off with public input. Uh, members of the, and we don't have anybody in the room. Uh, it's like so, we'd only be on Zoom. Uh, members of the public will be welcome to comment during public input through Zoom. Please raise your Zoom hand if you would like to do so. We ask that you keep your camera on when making a Zoom comment and that you follow school committee policy for public input, including speaking for no more than three minutes and only on topics under the purview of the school committee. So, yeah, we have one person online, so if that person wants to say anything, please raise your hand. There's nobody. No. Okay. So then um, we'll go into the consent agenda, and um, we have the approval of the regular meeting minutes from our December 14th meeting, meeting, as well as uh, donations, uh, which are listed out, and I will read them through. Um, $2,009.03 from Grin and Barrett Enterprises for the high school gift account. $850 from the Blake PTO, uh, the Blake gift account for the iPad and Lightning Grant. $825 from the Blake PTO, PTO the Blake, uh, to be deposited in the Blake gift account for the 6th grade Pyramid and Pharaohs Grant. $560 from the Blake PTO uh, to be deposited in the Blake gift account for the Circuit Cutting Machine Grant. $7,500 from MCPE to be deposited in the Blake gift account for the water bottle, bottle fillers, and $2,393.51 from Shutterfly to be deposited in the Gale Street gift account. And then is that, I think that's a separate one. Yeah, yeah, separate one. yeah okay. Yeah. Yep. And an additional 2000 $393.51 from Shutterfly to be deposited into the memorial gift. One thank you for, uh, for those donations. And uh, unless, does anybody want to call any of those items out? Surprising and animation. Is there a nomination <laughs> to approve? Items in the consent. So moved. Okay, all in favor? Aye. 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 I abstain as I was not here for the 1214 meeting. That's why I didn't <laughs> move the vote. Um, okay, thank you. Um, the first item for new business is the uh, tech request to modify capital reserves. And I think Dr. Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So in your materials, you have the, the memo that came from the uh, executive director of tech explaining what the objective and the reason for what I want to So there's two things you can do with this. One is that you can 
take no action and after 45 days it becomes uh, as if you did take action or you can just take action this evening and vote to approve this so um, what tech is trying to do is increase their capital reserve fund so tech is, is different from the from a school district or, or a town because they have their own uh, capital reserve fund which they need to build up and what they're trying to do is look at the possibility in the future of uh, buying an educational facility and and um, they, they need some renovations and upgrades to that facility and whether or not they're going to stay there. I think they have maybe three or four years left on their lease. So this would allow them to increase the capacity of their capital fund reserve fund from 750 to 3.5 million. Um, I would just remind the committee that uh, accepted to this earlier in the year, uh, very same thing. They increased their reserve fund. Uh, and folks voted to approve that as well. So I would ask that you approve it as presented. And if you have questions, I can try to answer the best that I can. But it's, um, basically, two thirds of the member districts have to approve this so they can revise their capital plan. And that's um, what the state law requires. So, did, so we raised it to 750 previously? At some point. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember when that was, but except it bears. This year, too. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. How would they, were they just reallocating funds, or would they be, we'd be helping raise the limit and then they would be doing a funding cycle to get up to the 3.5 million? So, what they do is they have at the end of each fiscal year, if we have money left over, we return that to the town. Uh, if they have money left over, it goes beyond 25% of what their budget is, they return to the member district. Or if it's under 25%, they get to keep that as their free cash, so to speak, and they can put that money into reserve. So they'll take some of that money and allocate it. They have OPEB liability that the town has for insurance. They allocate money into there. So it's almost like its own entity in terms of where they fund it, and it's funded all by tuitions if they don't get any money from the state. So that's why one of the provisions was um, to provide funding for the least common area maintenance when enrollments are below expectation. So they build their budget on a set number of kids, and then if they are below that, they could use some of this funds to deal with some of the facilities as well. It doesn't like, pay teachers instead of paying for facility improvement. Right, okay. And one of the things that they're doing uh, as Walpole is building a new middle school, so Tech is going to um, rent some space from Walpole because they have two programs outside the facility. They have Tech Phoenix and Tech, Tech High School that they're currently in other facilities, so they're going to use the um, the middle school Walpole to uh, once that the new school is open for those programs and other collaborators are looking to do that as well. So Walpole is really smart with that. They're doing a good job with first of all getting it funded, getting their building, but then using the existing building to make money. So really good. Hey, any other questions? Are we doing opposed to voting on this? Okay. Uh, move the, to approve the tech request to increase their capital fund to $3.5 million. You have to second the vote. And that's the second money from us, by the way, just so everyone's clear yeah. on that. There's no Medfield money. I, mean, that, that's, I should, let me rephrase to call it uh, possible capacity to $3.5 right. Second that vote. Uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, aye. Thank you. Um, and unless you know, uh, sure. Uh, Dr. Marsden, is there anything else uh, since post? Uh, nothing else. Thank you, Chair. Sure. 
Okay. Good. So next up on the agenda is the 2023, uh, really a follow-up focused on student growth percentile. And uh, I think yourself interesting. Yeah, so Christine uh, is here. Thank you for coming, Christine. And we're doing part two of the presentation that we did last time. Um, Christine has done a real nice job putting together a presentation on, on the student growth percentile, which we alluded to last time. And we thought that it made sense to do a part two and then part three would be later in the spring in which we'll give you a, um, kind of what our plan is what we're doing to address some of the issues that we found or any any problems or gaps that we found so christine if you want to stand up and start that off okay. just so the people at home can see hi everyone just give me one minute Uh, just one thing for the, the group too. We don't always, um, you know, I think we're going through this in more detail than we have in prior years. Part of that is driven by uh, say, reporting the data that the district's able to use. So I think it, it is worthwhile to take that second look at, at the uh, more granular data. And, and then where we did talk about moving to a third one is more about, hey, more sometimes a qualitative or, or other factors. Hey, what do we find that we're all of this? So that, that just uh, Michelle and I were talking about that. We a good point. Like we, we care deeply about uh, you know, metrics such as this, but we also care about all the others. I, I don't want it to be reflected uh, that you know we're going to be so laser focused on this week, you know, meeting after meeting. Oh, I, mean, I think it's a good. A good measure and an important metric for our district, but we still want to make sure we meet kids where they are where they are at and uh, support the social emotional learning, which I think we'll continue to do. I just think it's you know, we had this new tool, this MCAS Explorer too, which really allowed us to to get really deeper into the data, but also uh, we're actually having a meeting on it tomorrow with the leadership team to involve the teachers in this process too. So I think that's really important that we can look at it, but that you know the teachers that are delivering this curriculum and, and working with the kids directly. We'll be able to take a look at it too. So we're, we're happy about that. Two seconds. I'm almost there. Okay, I'm online. And let me just share. Okay. It, it, it was fatal. It, it was actually. <laughs> it was. Um, see, and I think it's there. That was her prep. That was her prep for the. There it is. <laughs> it's the Kennedy Center Honors, and Barry Gibb won the award, and so it's going through a little nostalgia there. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for that opportunity to meet with you today and to discuss student growth percentiles. As definitely as Dr. Marsden mentioned, we have a phenomenal tool uh, in Open um, Access Explorer, and it allows MCAS Explorer allows us to really delve deeply into data in, in new and really interesting ways. So I'm really excited to show you some of the things that we've been data. So today's uh, presentation is focusing specifically on student growth data. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what that is. So what is student growth percentile? Student growth percentiles measure the degree to which an individual student achievement has changed from prior years to the current year. And it compares students from this, uh, who, to, it compares students 
uh, in the same grade who performed similarly in the past. So that's a lot of information, but let me explain specifically and break this down and actually what it means. So, so what is student growth percentile? Uh, this is just a typical class and every year MCAS is taken and students receive various different scores across a class. Uh, it is not enough to do a year-to-year -year by comparison because because the variability in data it's just it's not considered to be a really reliable measure however student growth percentile goes far into more depth than that and what they do is in terms of creating cohorts or academic peer groups so what happens is that when students receive their student growth percentile score um, that, that year's score, as well as previous, up to two plus years of previous data, are pulled in and a composite score is created. And that, those scores are placed, students are placed on a, a score between 0 and 99. So it is really multiple years worth of data, not just a single data point. And so they're grouped together in different groups. So for instance, you see two students in, in the 98th percentile, uh, five in, in in the 90th percentile. This just demonstrates how multiple years with their data are considered in terms of creating these cohorts or academic peers. And cohorts are not just something that's out of a classroom or a school. They're actually made up of students across the Commonwealth. So in a case of a 90th percentile, the students perform better than 90% of other students within their same grade level across. So this is a really deep and meaningful number because what it says is that it, it creates, it's not just a small end size, it's not just a classroom or a particular school or even a district. These are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of students that are placed within certain cohorts between zero and 99. And it provides a real in-depth apples to apples comparison, unlike anything else that we have. So performance is measured against students in the same percentile cohort. So it's not necessarily that student A and student B and sitting in the same classroom are compared. These are comparing students to other students who performed similarly in the last two plus years. And their growth in terms of how they perform in the MCAS is compared. So in this example, for instance, the median is 50%. And students with high growth, for instance, our score in the, their cohort is they're placed in the 70th percentile, so they perform better than 70%, um, and moderate would be 56, or low growth would be 39. So again, this really in-depth, really rich data set allows us to really look at student growth, but more importantly, it also looks at school and student group performance, and that really provides a deep and now uh, us uh, enable to us to see a deep analysis of students and how they perform, whether it's within a school or within even a student group. So for instance, we can drill down and really look at uh, student subgroups and see how individual students as well as us as a district perform against these other groups. So student growth percentile can be broken down various ways, but just a, a rule of thumb is really thinking about it this way. Above 60% of student growth, anything above that's considered high growth. This is really high performance. Between 40 and 60% moderate growth, and below 40 is, about, is low growth. Medfield Public Schools expects 50% growth or higher for all our students, as well as our districts, our classrooms, as well as our subgroups. So that is a level that we're really focused on. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. 50% or higher yeah. are 
in the growth category. Right. So that's typical growth. 15% is the actual average growth. So if, if, if a student is continuing on the same projection and, and goes in that cohort, they're, they're, they're as better than 50% of their performance is better than 50% of other their peers. So it's right smack dab in the middle of their cohort. So we expect that or higher. Their growth, their growth performance. Yes, how how much they've learned, how much they've demonstrated knowledge from one year to the next. Do the cohorts ever change? Like if a child put in a right, some random child goes in a cohort and like the first grade you take them. Are yeah, you always all the way through graduate? No, or? they're recalibrated. Okay. So as they go with, with the new data set because it's previous years. Okay. So I'm about to show a set of data. And this is again, these are snapshots from MCAS Explorer, an unbelievable tool. And we're going to be looking at it from multiple different lenses. We're going to be looking at it from a district lens, then go down to a school lens and then individual uh, grade level lens. And then we're gonna bring it back and compare us against other districts, our, our like districts. So this is our district viewpoint. A couple of things for you to really look at, and those are really highlighted in blue. You have that three different boxes. The rest are there for contextual reasons, always really important as well. But as a district, you can see our overall performance. The box on the left, sees how we are compared to the state in terms of student growth percentile. The black dotted line is the state's student growth percentile versus ours, which is in blue right above that. The box in the middle talks about our average SGP across the district in ELA. And then you can see that's 55.5. Remember that the typical or the, the moderate growth is between 40 and 60%. And you can see that we're above that. We're within that range and definitely above that 55 percent mark that we've set in terms of our expectation for student growth. And the item on the left plots our schools in terms of that student growth, average student growth. And you can see there that 50 percent mark, all of our schools are above the 50 percent mark that we expect for our district. Here's those same scores in math, oh, the same um, three items in math. You'll notice the left in terms of our comparison against the state. Overall SGP is 52.3 in math across the district. And then again, you'll see SGP for each one of the schools that are well within that moderate growth range. So I'm about to walk through each one of our schools that offers MCAS. And then first I'm going to start with the high school. And this is their ELA performance. And you can see a couple of uh, really great things, one of which is our SGP is 56.5%, so definitely in that range. And you'll notice that we had a, an unusual, compared to the state dip, we actually um, had an unusual bend, but you can see that we are, as a school, above the state student growth percentile. Math unbelievable performance, student growth percentile. Anything above 60% is considered to be high growth. So our students performed uh, in the student growth percentile of 63.1%. It's an unbelievable and great number. And you can see it's well above this the state average. Okay, let's ask a question on a graph that's here, or should I wait till the end? Go ahead, that's fine. Um, is, am I, read that our growth percentile seems to be dipping over the last two years, even at a height during the pandemic. 
That one you will see. I've been trying to break this one down. If you look at every other one, it follows the state average. This is the only one that doesn't. Um, the only thing I can say is that 2021, it was a unusual year. Did we give the answers with the exam that year? <laughs> um, I haven't quite figured it out in terms of why that is. You will see every single else. And, and most of these, when you compare, even other districts have similar. They'll all follow that same sort of pattern showing the pandemic year dip. I, Just I, if I figure it out, I will let you know. Okay. So here we are at Blake. And again, two things to see. You'll see that typical pattern that happens on the left. Um, and then the student growth percentile, 54.9%, um, well within the moderate range of 40 to 60%. Um, and that again, for, for Blake ELA. And Blake Math, Blake Math, um, again, following the typical pattern, you'll see 45.7%. So that is in the moderate range. Um, it is below the 50% range, though, and so that's something that we're, we're focusing on now. Dale Street, similar pattern, 55.9%. Um, definitely showing moderate growth for all of, for as an average across the students in Dale Street School who have taken the MCAS and ELA, and 57.3% in math. Here's the breakdown of each grade level. And this is something looking at three particular years. I prefer not to look at the 2021, given that it's the, the uh, COVID year, the, the pandemic year. So looking at 2019, 2022, and 2023, and you can see by grade the performance in terms of student growth percentile, how much is a student has learned between one grade and the next grade. And you can see that we're overall, we're in the mostly in the, in the mid 50s throughout. Uh, we uh, had phenomenal performance in grade seven, 69.2%. Uh, and there's an area of focus in, in ELA in eighth grade math, eighth grade ELA, that we need to, to focus and see exactly what happened with student growth um, percentile there. Math, similar story, a lot of 50s, um, some in the 40 range, and but some, a number of 60s as well. Um, again, looking at how we, and I'll explain in a, a slide a little further on in terms of how we use these data, but you can see grade by grade showing student growth from one grade to the next. And you'll see that, uh, notice, and there's also not a grade three, that's important to know because that's the, the first year and they need to show growth from the previous year. Area of focus you'll see is um, sixth grade and eighth grade math. Now the power of this is allows us to really look at our subgroup performance. These are groups of kids who we're looking at that have, um, that fit within certain demographic groups. What's great about this is that it allows us to look because the, the end, the overall number that is considered within this cohort, it even though we have, you'll see here with our EL, it's only an N of 13, but because the actual overall N is much larger, it allows us to have a really robust comparison in student growth percentile between our students who fit in that subgroup and students across the Commonwealth. And you'll see here that overall our subgroup performance is well within the moderate range, if not above that. And you'll see that here with 
IEP 504, right at the cusp of 50% mark, low income 58.8, and EL 64.2 in terms of performance from one year to the next. Is EL the old like EL? Is that English language learning? Yes. Like ELL? Yes. Sorry yeah. about that. Sorry. Oh, I just want to understand. Yep. <clears throat> and then it allows us to also break it down by race, and you'll see the performance here across the race. And, and you will see that we're in the mid to upper 50s, if not low 60s, in terms of our student growth by subgroup by race. The data also breaks down first language, and you'll see here, again, performance generally is very strong in terms of in the mid to upper 50s, and with those with English as a, a a first language as well as Spanish as a first language. We are focusing on to that Portuguese as a first uh, as a first language. Notice the N is eleven, um, so it's a small N, but it's important for us to to take a look exactly to see the student growth, and that would be an area of focus. So these final data slides show us the district comparison. And I apologize for the small number. Um, with the small dots, but let me explain what that represents because it's really the overall pattern that's the key piece. We're compared by, uh, DESI puts us into groups that are based on our demographic. It's our size of our district as well as our overall demographics in terms of um, SES, in terms of population makeup, things like that. And so we're compared quite often to this group of, of 11 different districts. We also added in, um, Jeff and I really wanted to consider two other districts that we consider to be our peers, even though DESE does not consider them part of our peers, and that is Dover, Sherburne, as well as Westwood. And so those are data that are plotted in terms of their student growth percent uh, percentage growth compared to ours. And you can see where we are in terms of ELA is the graph on the left, and we're well in the middle in terms of where they are. The average SGP is above the 50% mark, um, and you'll notice that the, uh, the other axes in terms of average score were in that above that 500 mark. And then with our, our uh, math scores as well, we're in that middle range in terms of comparison grade three to eight compared to our peers. And this is another look at grade 10 alone, and that indicates, again, you'll see our performance against other districts. We want to be in that top right quartile. That's exactly where we are. And you can see that happening with our ELA. Um, and we are actually in the top right hand portion in math as well. So here's the, the why of this whole thing. How do we use these data? The information is really a powerful tool because, again, it shows an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. It also allows us to look deeply at different subgroups, even though in some cases the, end, the, the number of students within that group is quite small. So how we use that is that we overall are, are aimed to achieve and we expect to achieve 50% growth or higher. And so we, we look at these data and we look at our growth in terms of what is working well in terms of, of student growth and what areas that we need to focus on. And we're allowed to really go deeply by school, by grade level, by subgroup. And we're able to look at and have discussions and really look at our practices in order to improve our overall uh, performance. And how do we do that? So we've been having conversations specifically, for instance, looking at our curriculum alignment between our curriculum and what is taught in the MCAS and the overall frameworks, which reflects what the MCAS reflects the frameworks. 
as well as instructional strategies, and it also allows us targeted focus. We can look at the subgroup data, for instance, and look specifically in how we can support specific subgroups, whether it's a grade level or, or a particular demographic group that falls within that subgroup. And with that, that is just a, a, a look and reflection of overall of one aspect of this overall data set that we have and how we use it. More than happy to answer your questions or, or any sort of reactions that you may have. So what action items do you take away with your teams out of this data? Like, obviously, for instance, you know, the glaring one is the Blake math scores, right? In particular, eighth grade, right? I think. Yeah, um, so we've already had, and we're in the process of that, and met with every department chair that is impacted by MCAS. So it's, it's um, math, science, uh, math, science, and ELA. And in this case, in terms of this student growth uh, percentile, as well as overall MCAS performance, we start with, we, we project the data, and we all sit as a group, and that is the department chair and me, as well as the building principals. And we start with something as simple as, what do you see? What do you notice? What do you wonder? And then we all start working together in terms of, what are the phenomena that we're seeing? in terms of areas of strength and what is areas of focus. And at that point, we're really working together in terms of what, how can we can explain that um, and what adjustments that we need to do. So for instance, for in, in math, we're talking a little bit, we're talking about curriculum alignment, how exactly what is being taught and how aligned are, is the curricula to the overall MCAS to, to really look do you, at Do it. you get the... Do you still get the itemized responses back to the group, the grouping, so you know which areas were not met? That's our, yeah, that's our tomorrow. It's true, your timing. Yeah, so we have our, we're doing our data dives. We do it with our leadership team. We do an overall data dive with the entire leadership team, and then we'll go deeply with individual um, de uh, department chairs, et cetera. With the department chairs, I've been working with them already on that, but this is another way of looking at it for sure, but yes. Absolutely. The state is great. In most cases, they provide examples and, and they show exactly the question. So we're able to really match in terms of our student performance and the actual question itself and align to the uh, standard. So we have tools that we've self-developed actually also, uh, which are really powerful. And I can't wait to show at a future, um, a future meeting perhaps, is that how we can identify these different standards and then show how we connect that to the curriculum. Looking at the frequency of when they show up on the test uh, over the last three years, multiple years, and then what standard it is, and the question look like from that. So we're, you know, we, Christine and I, have just we're planning on our meeting for tomorrow. We've looked at it, and there's just definitely a couple of holes in the curriculum that are, that are questions that are coming up almost every year, and our kids are doing not as well as they should do. That's a curriculum issue for us. So we just need to make sure that we're filling that gap and making sure our teachers know that. And the if they don't know that, they can't help. Yeah, and it seems like grade eight is the uh, like whatever happens between seven and eight in that mm -hmm. preparation, that gap of time is clearly the, the you know the outlier. Um, and do the benchmark ref benchmark assessments reflect similarly as the MCAS scores? I guess that's my question. Yeah, and those are those are discussions that yeah. we're we're having now in yeah. terms of <clears throat> breaking down and looking at 
the, the different standards, um, standard-based performance that happens in the middle school of, and lining those up in terms of not only how the students are performing against the benchmarks and the regular, uh, the regular assessments that happen, but also the frequency. Is it something that we're teaching one and done or is something that we really need to, mm -hmm. to provide more time in the curriculum as well? So we're looking at scope and sequence as well as the curriculum. We might, be, we might have taught it, but maybe not as, as sure. extensive as we need to. Students don't have a lot of time to do this stuff, so that's why we're doing this. Uh, the team working with the math specialist department chairs, so that we can provide all the information to our teachers so they can use it. So that's kind of what, that's one of the, the greatest things that we've done at Explorer is that us we've been able to do this, and then we're going to transfer it over to the classroom, so we'll be able to use that information. For this was all done manually before this. The, yeah. the power of this is just phenomenal. So understanding that the test is. Uh, obviously administered once a year so you're getting these data sets once a year and change can take time right so you're you're identifying now some things that might need to be uh, updated or changed but that's probably not going to really be reflected until possibly next year's class so when you're looking at some of these scores that aren't in the range of what we're looking for I feel like there's two different metrics you might be looking at one did we go up and two did we get to our 50 percent or above so what is the expectation around getting us, like, like looking at, again, like at the sixth and eighth grade math, what is the expectation and time in regards to like, are we going up and are we in 50%? So part, no, it's a great question. Part of the work that we're doing uh, tomorrow and as well as that's introducing, but also looking at it um, over the, the long term is really looking at those lever points we're looking at our, our scope in terms of what is taught at certain time periods, knowing that we still have half a year left um, and identifying those specific standards in which their students are not performing at the, where they should be and really making those adjustments now so we don't have to look at this, at this as a postmortem, for instance, that we are looking at. We can tell over time, so that three-year chart in terms of over time, and we can compare our performance over multiple years so we know if there's holes in the curriculum, we know there needs to be adjustments. So we're working on that now. It's not something we're going to wait to the end of the year on making those adjustments. And then also just analyzing the overall um, curriculum itself and identifying if there we do need to go deeper, we do need to adjust those different pieces in terms of work with the department chairs that will happen in the summer as well as the math and uh, well. I think the key point is adjust, right? We're not overhauling everything because of some of the, some of the, the data points because it's not a lot. It's just a few data points or a few gaps we've identified that, as Christine said, either we're not spending enough time on or we're not spending any time at all on based on what we're doing in our curriculum. So I think that's, and again, if teachers don't know that, they can't change their practice. So that's what we're trying to do is get that information to them so they can make some of those changes. But I think we, we plan on doing it right away. You know, it's just really incorporating. It's, it's a lot of it. I think is something that they're already teaching, but it might be something that they spend one day on, but maybe need to spend three, something like that. You know, I think that's what we're looking at and getting the feedback from the principals, the department chairs, and the teachers themselves. That was always the issue with NGAS was the multiple. How long it would take to unpack that data if we could get it unpacked? And they're getting better and better with get, giving us the data. You know, before yeah. you'd have to wait forever, <laughs> and it was way too late. Now we're getting it. In, in a way that we can use it that year and make adjustments for okay. well i think that's why i asked about the benchmark assessments if they're reflecting similar uh, you know so i guess it is i want to believe that you know people are adjusting on the fly right to meet students you know mm -hmm. you know with those gaps so as much as possible understanding but, uh, 
it's especially in the middle school standards-based, right. right? So we will be able to do a, a comparison in real time versus waiting and doing analysis over the summer, for instance. We'll be able to look specifically at the analyses in terms of the where our students have performed on, on specific standards, and then again, what adjustments that uh, need to happen. Part of this also, uh, the overall work that's being done is making the data more consumable and more accessible. It, it's hard to describe in terms of how locked down in weird ways, and you know what I'm talking about in terms of, it just was really, the data's there, but it was really difficult to share. And with the advent of this tool and these other tools that are developing as offshoots of that, we're making the data consumable, we're making it usable so teachers can, can use this on a regular basis to adjust their practice and providing them the support in the forms of data literacy, but also providing the leaderships as well with the tools that they need in order to, to work on a regular basis. So department meetings, for instance, or grade level meetings can have these discussions as well. And it reinforces the good stuff they're doing, right? Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's a lot of good important. points in there that we're excelling at and doing really well, and it reinforces the good practice that we're already doing. It's a really important point in yeah. terms of overall, we are above state's SGP. Uh, across and in many places that we're doing phenomenally well. Uh, thank you for doing this because I know I was one of the ones that asked for it. But I guess my like struggle or concern or trying to understand the student growth stuff is like we want to be above fifty percent, but if our scores were high, we could just ride at fifty percent, right, and stay where we're at. Because it's kind of weird, right? Because mm -hmm. the only time you get a high growth, like if you look at this, there's a dip to th like the only time you get to sixty or seventy percent is just because the grade before it wasn't as strong. I guess is it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I but I mean, like, you can look at the data like we're never going to look at this and be like, great, we got a bunch of eighty percentile because that means the year before we yeah. fell on right. our face. Well, that's growth percentile, so you'd want right, to see the so av av your average score percentile could be going up. Well, more. I remember you going after yeah, future. but yeah. you're in that cohort with kids all over the state too, so it's not just our kids. Yeah, so, so we want to keep going. I mean, sometimes there's there are kids that we we went individually. We have we have students that are in the 90, 95th percent, whatever. Sure. Almost up to ninety nine, right? So you can say, well, the next year they take it, how much more can they grow? Right. 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 But some of them do. Yeah. You know, some of them are in the nineties, and the next year they're in seventy. So that which is is lower, but still really really good. So I think the fact that there that was one of the things that the state tried to do to mitigate that is by putting the cohorts of kids in the entire state together. So that it's not just a grade that didn't do as well, and then the next year their their growth would be higher because that grade didn't do well. So yeah. you know the seventh to eighth piece, or the the sixth to seventh with a larger growth because the sixth didn't have as much growth. Right. The the part that the state puts it in the cohort almost eliminates that to happen within a school. Yeah. So I'm trying to like wrap my head around that piece yeah. of it. I understand. I understand that it's the whole state core and all that, but I just the big growths are obviously after like. Not as big of gross in the in the year before. Um, the only other question, or I'd like to see or whatever, is um, the subgroups. It's like IEP slash five hundred four. I'd like to see those separated, um, just because you know if I'm on an IEP, I, I, so I don't know all the words we use here, but like learning center, or whatever. I have a special educator, and five hundred four, I think is generally a very different experience. So I'd like to see those broken up, just to see. Our, our tool groups them together. I can I can probably tease them out of looking at the other data. Yeah, the state puts them separate, but I think the tool puts them together. The tool, right? the tool exactly. Yeah. Okay. 
think they're no, very separate. Very, very different. Yeah. yeah. Yes, different absolutely. Population. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I just had a quote. Oh, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I assume we have the same information for science. No, actually, very good question. Because of its, its uh, amalgamation of multiple years, and science is only within uh, grade five and grade eight and grade nine, they don't, they don't calculate it. They don't calculate yeah. it the same way. Okay. That's a very good question. Our science MCAS score were very high, right? We figured that last, we oh, presented that we last month. Right? I have it right here somewhere, but. Across yeah. the state, yeah. I, I, and believe me, on top of my head, but I believe in 10th grade, I think we're number three in the state. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I, I have it right here for yeah. you, so. Yeah, I'm yeah. How is the, um, I was going to say, like, generally speaking, either the leadership meetings, or I'm more interested in almost department level teachers, like, how are they responding to? Yeah. having this level of access it is um the tool has been really well received again i mean many of our i will say many of our department chairs and people have with them met they they've actually created their own charts it was just more rudimentary but to have it here is just a really powerful thing and to have a conversation around data um with the tools as powerful as they are which allows us not only and we've shown the the ones that you in terms of looking at things across but we can actually drill down and look at individual students as well and see the performance so it's 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 that has just a, allowed such a, a great level of discussion where we're really trying to problem solve and really think and also celebrate the wins too in terms of wow what a great performance what are some things that are happening across this grade that we can bring to the other grades as well. So in the leadership meetings, to have those conversations, really start broadly, and then we talk about the phenomenon that we see in terms of what are some best practices and things that we can share with others, and also what's some areas of focus that we might be seeing in the certain areas that we need to make some adjustments on. And those are replicated very similarly with department chairs, so in terms of when I, when I meet with, with the department chairs um, or the coordinators, uh, with the le building leadership, and then also that's replicated um, at a um, department level. So, for instance, I had uh, recently a conversation with the department chair who really talks about these. We look at the data as a team, and uh, conversations is this is not just a single year's person. You know, in terms of if you teach tenth grade. Um, and that it's not just the responsibility of the 10th grade teachers. Let's look at it as a department in terms of things that we can do for best practices and make adjustments or celebrate the wins again. That's awesome. I mean, thank, thank you for putting it together. No, oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for saying. Okay. The tool is it's free for this year, but we're hoping that it stays that way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for coming. Budget. Right. Our next meeting is a public hearing, so we'll have um, we'll have the budget completed and, and the so-called so superintendent's uh, budget done by then. Uh, right now, Michael and I have been working on. Um, again, trying to focus on that kindergarten and trying to do a three-year phase-in uh, for no-cost school day kindergarten. So that's one of the things that is impacting and, and really impacted the 5.99%. So we're working to get that down and a plan to bring to you for tuition for the next two years. 
um, that will allow us to gradually get to uh, no tuition at the end of the third, well, into the third year. So um, that's what our plan is right now, and I think we've we figured it out, and we'll have it all for you um, at our next meeting. Uh, we'll also post the entire line item budget online, like we have done in the past, before the next meeting. So anyone in the community wants to take a look at that, they can do that. Uh, and you folks will get your budget books. Michael, when are the budget books going to be done? Okay, so budget, you guys will get your individual budget books. Uh, you'll have that uh, prior to the public hearing, so you have all that information. Uh, but we're still, we're still going. One of the things we really want to do is include some of the positions that principals and directors asked for us. And the 5.99 did not include any of that. So we're trying to back out some of the other expenses and costs we can get at least you know honor some of the requests that they that they've made some of them have been in there for multiple years some of the requests so uh, we'll also on the 25th share with you what did not make the, the request you know there will be some that did not make it but um, typically school committee will ask me what is not in there um, so we'll put a slide in there to make sure that you have that information that's not in there but still uh, plugging along and i think we're we're going to be a lot closer to um, the Warren Committee goal of 4.1% than we were in December of 5.99. The news is reporting the governor is making some pretty big cuts. I saw that, yeah. Will that affect us at all? Um, we have not seen anything on that at all. Um, typically, Desi or uh, the Superintendent Association will put something out for us. Uh, commissioner is meeting with us, I think, next week. On Wednesday, I have to check my schedule. It's either this Wednesday or next Wednesday. The commissioner is meeting with us, so um, well, if, if it's going to impact us, he'll talk to us then. But, okay. Yeah. Hopefully, it does not. Right. We're, we're flush with all those revenues and surplus last year. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, we have to make cuts. It doesn't seem like it was really manageable. So right. hopefully, it won't impact us. Happy to answer any questions, but that's. What, did you say the 25th? Is that our next meeting? Is that what you said? 25th, yeah. Thursday the 25th. Oh, that was fun. And that's the meeting that we have in, uh, in the auditorium. Right. I apologize in advance. I will not be able to attend. And did we, um, this is just logistics. Are we keeping that at six or so? Whatever you We advertise it for six, so it's already been put out for six. Uh, it was in the patch tonight, and it will be in a hometown week of the next three weeks. So we'll just advertise and post it for six. Okay. You said we're going to get a book or something? You'll get your budget when? book. The binder. Yeah. 18th? So like a week. Right, thanks. The school building. Sure. <clears throat> so the SBC had their first meeting since uh, the MSBA news. Um, I think there was collective disappointment around the information. Um, we kind of spent the time talking high level on some things we can start doing. Um, so we talked about uh, doing a demographic study, which is partially a request from an article that allocated the funds that we got at town meeting in 2022. Um, and how that money is going to be utilized. So it was kind of for an independent, comprehensive school enrollment and capacity analysis. So um, Dr. Marzin and Michael are going to put together the request for proposal. The SBC will meet again in a week or two. 
to decide if we're going to go through with that, but we'd be putting that out there to kind of um, start checking that box, so to speak. Um, we asked our chairs to reach out to the MSBA to talk a little with the MSBA on um, some things we can be doing to help us now uh, for when or if we reapply. Uh, and then we had some high-level discussions around hiring a third-party designer or architect that would be able to uh, potentially do a few things for us. One, uh, really assess what our options are and the costs associated with them. I think after the MSBA news, if you looked, spent any time on some of the social media sites, you could see there was um, still a, a divide and um, some chatter that kind of insinuated that we haven't really moved that much since the um, vote. Um, so we could be hiring a, a designer or architect that could be you know, really assessing what the options are, what the cost looks like, what does an ad rental look like, what are maybe some other creative solutions we can think of, um, and just really spelling it out for everybody. They also can, um, if we ask them to, they can run some surveys or some visioning groups to just kind of help uh, get that community engagement piece going from kind of more of a neutral third party and, and really just helping the community kind of come together. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we left off right now. So I don't know if Jeff or Leo, if you have anything to add to that. The communications committee is meeting tonight. Okay. It's the same time, I think, right now. Right now. Tonight, okay. Some plan as well. uh, Michael and I have been working on that. I think we'll have a, a draft to you guys by the end of the week. That's what we're hoping. So uh, we'll get that out and uh, whatever changes anyone you know, wants us to make, we'll do that. And I think meeting on the 17th at the next meeting, we added another meeting in January. So oh, the brief meeting. one at the yeah. Zoom meeting, yeah. Zoom meeting, so. And you, um, you may have said it, you know, it's a demographic study versus the quote, third party study. It is a third party demographic study. Are those yeah. one and the same? Yes. Well, we talked, we talked a little about separating them because the designer or the architect would oh, be yeah. looking a little bit more at like how to use the building, how to use the buildings that we have, and possibly running surveys and visioning statements or visioning sessions to kind of help bring the community together. The first part that Dr. Marsden and Michael worked on right now is a little bit more about um, uh, the enrollment, the capacity, and the demographic that we'd be servicing. So we have data from NASDAQ, they do that twice a year for us on enrollment and demographic. And we have this, whoever gets the bid for this, will do one. And then we compare and contrast that, and then we also have a few years ago from uh, MSBA. So we'll have three different data sets on enrollment going forward. So it'll give us a pretty good sense of where we are. And I, I can tell you that it won't be any, I don't think it will be as high as what NASDAQ and MSBA looked at four years ago. I can't imagine it would be just based on what NASDAQ is. Their numbers have come down to about a 5% increase in student enrollment over the last, uh, for the next 10 years. And uh, when they were doing it four years ago, they had it to 15% increase. So, you know, certainly COVID changed a lot of things and the numbers have changed. And uh, we do have that COVID bump of kids coming up in the next couple of years. But uh, overall, it's going to remain around the 190 to low 200s per class. The latest projection we have, but let's see what the you know, I, I get concerned about the impact on the state hospital and you know whatever development happens up there. <clears throat> Even though it was, it's only projected to be 64 students. I think you know that seems like that could grow. So I think it'd be good to have another set of eyes on it, looking at the data and tell us what they think. And then the next MSBA SOI is due in April or March. April. 
Okay. Yeah, it opens up next week, okay. and then so you can submit from next week until April. So I think that will be something that you folks will have to talk about in the SBC and the select board will have to talk about as well. So see what direction I want to go. Good thing about but a lot of that is the tone of the SBC that SOI, right? Like how much energy, you know, how are they looking at it? I mean, I they you know, unanimous, unanimously decided we wanted to be in it last time, and, and everybody said and agreed they would accept to be in the program if we got invited back. Um, so I guess I'd be surprised if that tone had dramatically shifted from that. You know, one of the things we talked about on a high level was kind of the parallel paths of doing this research. How much research and, and, and work can we do on our own to make sure that we don't jeopardize um, getting into the MSBO program? That was kind of the other discussion that we had. Yeah, like I almost, um, my second, I just kind of grouped it, like the chair to reach out to MSBA to increase likelihood. I, mean, I almost think of that, like you have a communications subcommittee. Mm -hmm. Like that, those are things like, like maybe that a group says, hey, how do we um, you know, communicate? And, well, that's what they're working on now. Yeah. Yeah. Confirm the need, yeah. you know, confirm the tone in the town, you know, around that. There was discussion around um, the idea of a comprehensive plan, you know, you know, because MSBA would be just for that building, right? So, and I personally did bring up the point about Wheelock and having a solid understanding of what it is we're trying to put in place, uh, you know, and other space constraints that may exist at our other buildings as also as a result. So, you know, yes, this particular group was uh, brought together to focus on Dale, you know, although if monies is going to be expended, I mean, you I think it's short-sighted to not have, you know, take the other available spaces into consideration, particularly the financial impact as, you know, what if we do need to have a pretty substantial financial investment into one of our other facilities uh, as a result. So, um, is it right over the elementary school, yeah. right, as part of that? Yeah. I think, you know, the extension was a little bit on the middle high school. Yeah. yeah. People were in support of looking at the elementary school as part of the Dale project, yep. just in case we're looking at doing in addition on. I know you had talked to me about that. Some folks are talking about addition on Memorial, addition on Wheelock, and, and get rid of Dale, you know, altogether. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely some other avenues that we could go down. So I think if, if people are looking just at elementary, I think they would be supportive of that. Because yeah, like I, I look at it. Um, that 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 sounds more in the category of design or architect focus on how to use the space we have. Like like it, you know, while the SBC focuses on Dale, which part of that is getting a guess, right? And like the the rec building became a big well, distraction. Well, I guess to that point, to that point, that that came up from members of the committee as well. To the question, well, then if that plan like expand two spaces so that we have four four great buildings and we lose the need for the fifth what happens to the fifth right what's the what's the plan um you know and so that should absolutely be part of I'm whatever but right i mean but it's something that would have been nice to have in the last plan is to have what what could be done with it you know and i think you know understanding what the the rights to the land are to be used because it was deeded land under certain use mm -hmm. um, and you know maybe having some sort of 
visioning session around that from the town side, but the selectman I think would have to kind of identify that. No, that's helpful. So you, their communications with the school would be tonight. So they're having a. I believe they're meeting right now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. I think it was six or seven. I think it was the exact same time, I think. Yeah. And then they're generally the firm meetings monthly. We meet on the first Wednesday of every month, but we're doing an additional Zoom meeting to look over the um, RFP. For the demographic study. Correct. Theoretically, we would be looking at right? They would be the idea would be we would be voting on that at that meeting mm -hmm. so we can go forward. Mm -hmm. And then it would be a follow-up, some sort of an RFP for a third-party mm -hmm. design. That would be a separate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good that there's activity. The idea is to get some data sooner rather than later right. Right. for the April date. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. Community engagement and communication. I know Michelle continues to be a machine <laughs> in terms of the, the social. Like I, I, not everybody always sees it. Also, Michelle, you, you work really hard for that. Like each, each weekend, it's, it's fun to see what you, you put out. Uh, so I know um, you know that's that's ongoing. I think next week we have um, informal conversation. Informal conversation. Yeah. I think that's the real amount. Yep. I'm not mistaken. Yep, Tuesday at 10 to 11. Yeah, and the only reason we're together, but the only thing that would be off effectively then is his policy, which would be. Right, on one of you could speak to whoever had a policy question, but you couldn't. We'll take that yeah, offline yep. or something, but we'll, we'll clarify that. Um, I'm not sure, and this is a broad, broader topic if there are, you know, it allows us to bring up anything else around that. Um, Dr. Yeah. Marson has his parent guardian advisory this Wednesday. Wednesday, 9 30. Yep. Emails going out tomorrow. Reminder. Okay. And those have been pretty well. Great. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are would you be sharing any of um, some of that MCAS stuff? That's what was on major agenda. Point is the uh, MCAS presentation. So Christine and I will be there tomorrow doing some of the first and some of the one you just saw, and then we have other couple more topics as well. School start times and some other. Okay. Anything else on that? Uh, school start times. So we are um, currently going through the data that we got uh, from teachers in December, and I am ready to send an email to parents to ask them to be a part of the process. So I wanted to just wait until we got a chance to talk about it tonight, but I have a, an email drafted that would um, invite parents, tell, telling parents what this committee is and what it's going to do, and invite parents into that process. Um, so I'd like just does that make a lot of sense to send that out? And I want to kind of get that going so that we can, we'd like to get our first meeting you know, by the end of the month. Um, we're going to engage teachers and students and administrators as well, but um, I have the email ready as well for, for parents because I know I have to check their schedules and yeah. see where they're not. I think that'll be a big one sooner. It's probably yeah. get it on the calendar. It's all ready to go. So yeah. I just wanted to get your blessing before I sent it out. Yeah, it'll probably not be as easy as changing our meetings from 7 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have, so I have the parents um, sending the email of interest to SE chair. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. And I think we, yeah, I think that goes to all of us. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, and then, and, uh, but you're you're the one primarily driving that. I'll be sending it. It goes SC chair, and then um, I think I thought we were going to have school committee members that would want to be on that committee to pick those parents. That made sense to kind of do it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, as long as it's some degree of collaboration. Okay. Uh, Did you want to discuss who was going to be on that? What feedback have you gotten from the teachers so far? Um, it's, it's a range. I mean, I think for the most part, people are fairly positive. Uh, but like with anything that's going to change their lives, they want to just think about how it's going to impact them. So I think that's a normal human reaction for people. Um, I think there's there's people that, um, a lot of people that see the benefits of it, of changing it to a later start time. There's I think there's some people that might be skeptical and want to see what the data are around results long term versus just like the people that have done it for a couple of years and what other communities are, are feeling about it. So I think people are just naturally skeptical of those kinds of things. So I think that's an important piece to get some of that information as well. Um, but if you look at, if you go online and look at other districts that have done this, and you look at the surveys they have online, um, I would say that ours are a little more positive than what I've seen online as far as staffing and teachers. So let's call it what it is, Jeff. Are our student growth scores going to beat Dover Sherbourne's <laughs> if we change the start time? <laughs> uh, so I think, you well, know, that's... Molly, would, do, would you appreciate an extra half an hour of sleep in the morning, or...? Yeah. <laughs> You'll get more than that next year, Molly. You'll be all set. <laughs> you have more time you know what to do with next year. Is school start time something that's come up, uh, like, in the student population, or anything you've heard anybody talk about? Like last year, I think that we were talking about, but I feel like I'm not in middle school. Um, okay. I think middle school kids talk about it all the time. Middle school kids talk about it all the time. Yes. Yes. Big topic of discussion. There is, there is no spare minute. There is no spare minute in getting Henry up from bed nope. to the bus. You know, you're packing him up on the on the way out the door. And there were a couple of classes in the high school last year that were doing some projects on it, and, and there were students that picked this topic as a project. So I met with a few of them, and they were very interested in if we have a total of that, possibly have a committee that they want to be a part of. So there, there's definitely some you know buzz about it with kids that have done you know some information gathering last year. So I think there will be definitely kids that want to participate in the, in the committee. I know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I let people know too, uh, I started to see a theme around uh, responses from staff members that made the assumption that we're just going to flip times. Because some districts have done that; they've just flipped times, and that's not where you can. What do you think about doing that? Because to the point, it's little kids out in the bus in the dark. We're not. We're not going well. Um, so I just wanted to let people know that we're looking at a different way of doing it like other districts have done. There are some that have done the straight flip and then some that have really been a little more thoughtful with the transportation piece and making sure that you know kids can, it's not just um, young kids home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and old kids you know, going to practice at 3.30. You know, that doesn't work for families when the older kid's still at school and the young kid is home at 2.50. That's not great. Family dynamic for those who count on the role of siblings to, to watch the young kids. Right, yeah. uh, so I, I think there's, you know, I think we're ready for some really good conversation and kind of get it moving. And if the, the committee wants to make a recommendation to, to the school committee that it makes sense to do, then we'll do that. If not, then they won't. But I think it's. I'm very curious as a, on the transportation. I'd be curious what, what the scenario is and what the cost impact might be. Mm -hmm. 
really no cost impact. We've met with the trust company about it and talked through these scenarios. Um, really not a, a cost impact. Only, only cost impact would be is if one of the longer routes you have to split into two buses. But right now the clerk they can do it without that. So yeah, we sat down with them and run some scenarios with them. They were pretty good. Pretty good with it. Better than I thought it would be. And um, if this letter's can go out shortly, what do you think the rough commitment is? Um, it is, uh, I put in the letter that it's a meeting monthly, but then other activities outside of the, the monthly meeting, like uh, research, reading, presenting in public meetings, those kinds of things. So I could send all out there so they can see exactly what it will be. So I would say a few hours a month, you know, or four or five, six months. How many parents are you looking for? Yes, five parents. So I two or three students, five parents, uh, four men, two school committee, and at least five people. So it's a big group, but I think it has to be this topic. I think there's many people as possible. So. Will, do you have thoughts? No, volunteer if you want to get in there. I mean, it's, it's, it's you and I, Michelle, right? We kind of dance. Like, is that something that anyone else has interest in? Or I'm interested you, in yeah. it, but I don't know how that right impacts. I can be on it, but then if I don't get elected, I did full papers. But, right, then we just have to have someone else step in. Yeah, but I'm so. happy to do it as well. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was thinking. Um, we, I would rather at least one Yeah, I was, I was initially thinking that um, not trying to hear that that out of the question, and then it maybe it's really high. I don't know if it's just if you're being stretched. I guess one way ar ar around it is um, apply as parents. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't mind. Between SBC, I guess, yeah, I'm in a similar boat. <laughs> so yeah, it, like those are things that we we have to continue to you know think yeah. right. on, like as fast as you can, if not But um, that when you you said unless there's a reason to make that decision right now, that's maybe we yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's get the interest, get the folks, because regardless, that has to move forward. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, then uh, I think and the annual annual report. Uh, right, that's just an informational item so they do that each year. Uh, the materials um, we'll get one from Accepted for. Can I ask one question on that? Sure. That, so it said that Medfield had 38 courses taken. Mm -hmm. Is this the high school, where, the high school classes where they can come in here and take online classes, or yeah, is this something virtual, different? Virtual high school. Okay. Right. And so, do, can you just talk a little about the kind of programming that comes in on those 38 different options, or maybe it's so, maybe it's like 10 so kids taking the same class, but and no, that's through Tech Show. What happens is yes. That's um, not not VHS. That's it's Tech. Yeah. It's Tech. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. VHS we do through Accept. Um, Tech is gotcha. is through Tech. 
so these are online courses with an assigned teacher that they meet with. Um, it's, it's, it's a few things. Sometimes it's if there's an interest in a class and we, we don't have enough staff to, to, to um, staff it, but we have you know seven kids that want to the class, we're probably not going to run that class, but they have it on online. We can do it. Um, or if it's just someone that has particular interest and has an extra slot there and they don't have a free period or they have a free period here that doesn't fit in their schedule, they can take that. It's a whole, it's a whole, let's And those are synchronous, right? The yeah. technical classes, right? Yeah. Where VHS is yeah. asynchronous. Right? VHS asynchronous. Yeah. Right. So we, we don't pay for those. That's part of our right. membership, right. which is great. Yeah. Which is really good. Because those are, I forget how much, but they're expensive. Do you ever see something where you're like, a lot of a lot of students really want to take this one particular class, and so maybe we should add it to the program. We've done that before. Okay. In fact, we we have a teacher's contract now that there's a set number, and if it goes beyond that on a VHS or a Tecker, Tecker, we have to add the class in next year. Okay. In South. Good to know. Yeah. Tony is trying to staff them a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Right. AP Computer Science was always a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for Thanks for um, moving along. Uh, we're down to um, I think future agenda items. Okay. Molly, we always we try to keep you more involved. Right? <laughs> Before we go, or that could be a future agenda item. How are we doing? And, uh, any other you're welcome to submit agenda items, Molly. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're not trying to put on this. Yeah. yeah. Do we oh, miss it? How's your life, Molly? Oh, how's the How's the high school? <laughs> it was good. It's good. I mean, it's been like the most The only thing that I feel like I'm doing right now, I was trying to think. I was trying to brainstorm in English. I knew this question was coming. I think I don't know. But then I was like, oh, do you guys not see the project yet? Yeah. So I feel like everyone's doing their applications. Yeah. So it's basically like your senior year in like the last term, you can like apply to your class. Like it's more people do with like you know, you have like two APs. So if you're in an AP class, you have to come to school still for those classes. So you can like do a project and it can be like anything more. Like I'm still teaching, but like some of my friends are like building like taking furniture and building it and not like revamping it and then selling it and then like throwing it in the mind. So you can like do like which most people do, right? So it's like a small amount of freedom, but it's fun. Okay. So everyone's doing their application for that. But besides that, nothing. You keep seniors more than the last few months Yeah, usually they say yes. But yeah. you have to like, go through with the funders and I said no for it. And then I have But for the most part, they accept you. Okay. I was an outside mentor last year. You were? Yeah. They were. Um, I just wanted to be them. They they went fishing all the time, and they and they and they um, they they just took data on the water temperature and the weather, like all this stuff, and then they took all the pictures and they would send me all the pictures where they were going. I tried to tell them to go different places. It was really a nice senior year. Of course, course. People do like 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 there's like special lines. Some people like writing books, but other people like. 
<laughs> you can do it as a group project as well. Yeah, you can do Not it, you independent. Can do you okay. can do it alone or you can do it. Okay. Did you say writing books? Yes, yeah, someone's right. I can write my own book. That's yeah, good. Definitely voice and too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a lot. And a lot of people create podcasts. That's a big one. So you can like do anything. And then you present them like the last week of school or something. Right. For like, so in the last May, my, I think May. Is the middle and the man. Yeah, yeah. We present like the last week, um, for, like the junior class week. Okay. But since there's so many applications, they have to like get it done in like January. Yeah, and it's really exploded the last couple of years. It used to be maybe 15 or 20 kids yeah. total. Now every year it gets bigger. Yeah, I was creating my schedule today and it was a lot easier because I'm still teaching. So I'm like 825 to 1210. Actually, there's two things. And then we'll, we'll, we'll show, but I do remember my daughter, it was, um, they did like it was like a, a sequential art, like a book or a storyboard of something that they've been thinking about for the longest time with, with a couple of their friends. And it, we were talking about it it's like third year in art school. That's coming up. And hey, I remember that was the first time I did it you know, like, as a senior project. So it, it is pretty cool. And it, and it was, it wasn't overly taxing as I remember. But it was a really cool experience. We're really not shining a great light on the senior project. Here. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, like, I feel like. But imagine teaching 18 year olds when they're into school or have their plans to oh, travel. I... So it, like, keeps them motivated. I, was a, I did it at Wellesley High School. I was, like, the coordinator or whatever the last two years. That's a hard job. Yeah, keeps them motivated. Give them something else to do. Right, and they're yeah. picking something they're interested sure. in, which yeah. I think. Yeah. Pursue That's a little great. passion project exactly. for a term. We have to like write a blog, like update a blog every week. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I just like kind of like fit it in when I had like to be here for like fourth period and then it was like I had like twelve fifty five or two or seven up then. I was like update blog. So Maybe we should in May have some of the seniors present them to you guys here too. That'd be fun. Yeah. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I served as a judge in right. north for a couple of years uh, on them. They were pretty interesting, uh, what the kids were coming up with. Yeah, they, the, um, the other thing, not on the agenda at all, but I, I, you may have to refresh my memory. We were talking about um, maybe a snow day going on at, at my family the other night. And I remembered what were the seniors did. How did the seniors <laughs> negotiate with you? Or the because they didn't get one. Remember, they didn't. COVID they did, yeah. Uh, take notes, Molly. Yeah, take notes. Get one today. We actually, you know, Dr. Marston, that, that was nothing. So they, they hadn't had one because we had different cohorts going, cohort A, yeah. so um, seniors, a couple of the seniors said, oh, would it be great if I said, well, no one's ever asked me. Why don't you put a proposal together and ask it? So the senior leadership hearing if the snow day doesn't yes. happen. Uh, they did a great job with it, and they got a day. He did start with the three storms he is tracking on the way in the <laughs> next <laughs> week. Rain, rain, rain. Yeah. 
so that, that was good. I, I do remember, and I, I love that though. I, that was a few years back, but it was like they teach us that in sales school. <laughs> you don't know if you don't ask. You don't ask. Exactly. Right? right, but it sounded like they, they were no really ever thoughtful about it. And, um, so that was good. Um, okay, uh, future agenda items, uh, and I think um, we've seen, but we're going to try. Are we? We're going to be uh, typically for those who haven't done it, we do the public forum. Um, and then we do try to add, like we close that and then cover other topics. Right? Yeah. Is this for the next meeting, you mean? Because it's the Correct. public hearing for the Correct. budget? Okay. Yeah, public hearing. Yep. That. Okay. So that, that would be, uh, you know, whatever it is, 60 to 90 minutes typically, depending on feedback, focused exclusively on the budget. Um, we close that off and then we stay in the auditorium and cover a couple other items. Okay. What's out there. And I apologize in advance. I, I have a professional engagement that evening um, that I cannot get out of. Um, but with education, I'll be visiting with 30 superintendents in eastern Ohio. So, but uh, I apologize, but it does take me out. So, so um, the district fees, I think, is, is uh, one we can be talking about for a little while. We may, because uh, Leo, I know that's one that you, you've also been a part of, and the IT team may want to hold that. Um, the second one, the draft of the school calendar out. It's kind of getting to that season. I mean, typically the district fees comes into a conversation as after you guys take the budget over, right? So once you take that over, then we look at ways to try to make it work. And I think the conversation around plus fees, technology fees, or athletic we, we did, and we, uh, we got a question about athletic fees. So I think that's, I think that's probably one whole regular meeting um, conversation. Uh, yeah. And revisit and revisiting the bus fees, you know, like you said, I think the um, and that goes hand in hand with the um, budget conversation. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's I think we we talked about the next meeting. Um, so, is there unless there's anything else that could be of um, it's true. We've got five minutes till kickoff or seven. Yeah, so um, unless anybody does anybody want a motion to adjourn? Motion to adjourn. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Thank you.